Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Scripture from the Word of the Lord here, starting with verse 1. This is a Bible study that the Lord gave me many years ago, and um, today I was going a little bit different direction with things, and then I just felt very heavily the touch of the Lord to pick this up and and revisit it. Let's start with verse 1. And it came to pass on the day that Moses had fully set up the tabernacle and had anointed it and sanctified it and all the instruments thereof, both the altar and all the vessels thereof, and had anointed them and sanctified them, that the princes of Israel, heads of the house of their fathers, who were the princes of the tribes, and were over them that were numbered, offered. And they brought their offering before the Lord, six covered wagons, and twelve oxen, a wagon for two of the princes, and for each one an ox. And they brought them before the tabernacle, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take it of them, that they may be to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. And thou shalt give them unto the Levites, to every man according to his service. And Moses took the wagons and the oxen, and gave them unto the Levites. Two wagons and four oxen he gave unto the sons of Gershon. According to their service, four wagons and eight oxen he gave unto the sons of Merari, according unto their service, and under the hand of Athiathmar, the son of Aaron, the priest, unto the sons of Kohath, he gave none, because the service of the sanctuary belonging unto them was that they should bear upon their shoulders. I want you to notice verse 9 again. And of the sons of Koath he gave none, because the service of the sanctuary belonging unto them was that they should bear upon their shoulders. And I just want to use this uh, thought tonight, a perceived slight, a perceived uh, slight. I want the Lord to help us. I, I pray for his anointing to be here and upon the remainder of this service. Would you pray with me that God would minister through his word tonight to help somebody? Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much. I pray, God, that you would allow your word to minister to the hearts of your people that have gathered here 
this evening. I pray that you would bless it to us, your word, God. I pray, Lord, that you would satisfy the hunger and the need. We know that your word is an encouragement. It's a direction. It's a guide. It's a strength. And I pray it would be all of those things to this congregation tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And could the church say amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Let me give you just a little insight into why I feel that the Lord has laid this upon my heart for tonight. And that is a lot of times we, we have burdens in life and we have uh, situations in life that we have a difficult time feeling like that it's deserved or as a child of God we actually have asked the question perhaps why is this happening to me or why does good things or bad things happen to good people and and that's been an age-long discussion many apologists have you know given their opinions on this and talked about this from a theological perspective but I believe this is one of those passages that gives us understanding that everything that God does has a perfect reason behind it. And so maybe this will help you to understand why is it that I've had to bear it, to bear some of the burdens that I have bore in my life? Why is it that I have had to endure some of the things that I have endured in my walk with God? I want to I tell you there's a purpose for that. In reading this particular story, it really looks as if the sons of Kohath have been willfully by Moses and deliberately slighted. It looks like they have not been given something that they really wanted and desired and perhaps even deserved. And all of us can identify with those kinds of feelings because often... Whenever gifts, whenever talents, whenever wealth or blessings or positions are being passed out, invariably someone feels left out. Someone feels omitted. Someone, in the words of my title, they feel slighted. And in our text, Moses had been tasked with dividing the responsibilities of the tabernacle. This is just after the construction of the tabernacle. Of course, Moses had went up into the mountain with God and received the plans for the tabernacle and how it would be constructed, this meeting place, as it was called, where God would meet with man and a place that would be a focal point as you study even through the wilderness as they would travel how that they would camp and every tribe would be facing this meeting place, this tabernacle, and how important it was to their worship. In fact, uh, we understand that they would only move as they were directed by God. They would only tear down their camp and move to another place as the Lord directed them. As the pillar of cloud would move by day, then they would they would follow that and they would be led of that. And that was, of course, a type of the Spirit. And so he's doling out these things uh, to the three sons of Levi. We know that Levi was the father, natural father, 
of the priesthood, and he has three sons, and he only has really six gifts to distribute among these three sons. And the easy solution would seem that Moses would just equally divide these gifts. He would give uh, two gifts to each one of these sons, and uh, that would be the simple solution to the problem. When doling out these responsibilities and the gifts that would go along with them, this would be the easy way to do it. But instead, Moses gave two to the first son and none to Kohath, who was the second son, and four he gave to the third son. So the sons of Koath, he gave none, the scripture says, and it appears that they have been slighted. So let me give you a little bit more background into this story. The princes of Israel, who is the leaders of each of these 12 tribes, saw that Moses is building this tabernacle in the wilderness, and they did not pretend to understand all of the intricacies and all of the plans and how they'd been laid out and why these certain materials are being used, but they did understand one thing. They were aware, though they didn't understand why they would be used and they didn't know why they were being built and constructed or this was being constructed this way, the curtains, the coverings, the rods, the pillars, the altar, the candlesticks, the ark of the covenant. They didn't understand a lot about all of that. But they did understand that all of this material would be very heavy. And it was going to have to be transported as they journeyed through the wilderness. It would not be easy for them to carry along with them from one place to another. Therefore, in their journey, they would need help. They, they would need uh, something to help them to move these materials. So they presented Moses with these gifts of six wagons and along with them 12 oxen, two oxen per wagon uh, to pull those wagons, those gifts that they were giving to make this job and this responsibility of transporting this meeting place of this tabernacle and all the things that were going into it Uh, To be able to transport that, they would be able to do so on these wagons. And this was the purpose of them giving these wagons and oxen is so that they could uh, make the journey and the burden of this a little bit easier. The responsibility of, of transporting the tabernacle was in the hands of these sons of Levi. Each one of these sons... Uh, were going to have their share of a responsibility and and uh, they were the ones that were going to be uh, putting this thing up and taking this thing down and folding all of these materials and packing all these materials and and overseeing the transport of all of these materials. And the sons of Levi, they were three families. There was a son, his name Gershon, and then there was Kohath, and then there was Merari. And it would seem like this uh, would be the thing to do is just to, just to divide them, as I've said. Uh, you got six wagon and, and 12 oxen. Just divide everything evenly, and everybody has uh, an equal responsibility. Everybody has the same burden. Everybody carries the same weight. And uh, nobody feels left out. Nobody feels slighted. 
everybody's burden is exactly the same. But instead, Moses gave two wagons to the son Gershon and four oxen. And to the sons of Merari, he gave four wagons and eight oxen. And he gave none, the scripture says, to Kohath. So to the carnal mind, to us that are just reading this and looking over this, it would seem that the sons of Kohath had a right to feel left out. They had a right to, to perhaps feel overlooked or just uh, sort of like they got the raw end of the deal, as we like to say. The Bible said in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes in chapter 8 and verse 28, And we know that all, everybody say all, all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. We understand that these men had an anointing on their life. We understand that these men were of the priesthood. We understand that these men had a purpose and a call that they were uh, to fulfill. I, I know that, that sometimes we look at our life and we think, that if we received a call or an anointing to this scale, then perhaps that would mean that we would, would not have to endure certain things or that we would be exempt from certain aspects of life or because we have the Holy Ghost or we're a child of God or we have a particular calling upon our life, then that would mean, obviously, that we wouldn't have to go through those things or wouldn't have to endure certain other things in our life. But he said, all things work together for the good. For them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Not some things, but all things. Not almost everything, but all things work together for good. I would like to say to you that many things in life are not always as they appear to be at first. Sometimes we look at certain situations and trials and maybe things that we have to endure for periods of our life and we don't see necessarily why we're going through those things, why they are occurring or why this is happening the way it is. And we may look at it and it looks and appears to be one way to us, but it's really another way. And this is why the entire road to heaven is a faith route. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. It tells us that we walk by faith. Each step that we take, we take as the Lord leads us. And we sometimes have to step out beyond our comfort zone. And we have to walk in faith and know that God is in control. And God is issuing our steps. And as the psalmist said, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And it requires trust on our part. God knows exactly what he's doing. And, and nothing slips by God or nothing 
uh, is out of the sight of God. Nothing is done that God is caught off guard. Isn't that nice to have that comfort to know and we can trust God that he knows what's going on even when we don't understand what's going on. He knows what is taking place when we can't even get our minds around it. When we question, when we are praying about it, God reveal to me where you're at in this situation. A lot of times uh, as Job, we, we, we look before us and we perhaps cannot find him there. and We look behind us and we cannot see him there. And we look to the left and we look to the right. But we have to understand that though we cannot see him, we can say with the writer Job when he said, I know that my Redeemer lives. I may not be able to see him, feel him, or experience him the way I'd like to right now, but I am confident of this one thing. I know that he lives. I know he's still in control. I know that he's still able to take care of me in this situation that I completely am at a loss in knowing why this is occurring the way it is. Hallelujah. We know that in our uprisings, in our downsetting, God is in control. We know just what the Bible says, that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And a lot of things, when it begins, we can't see the ending. But God stands at the end and looks back, the Bible says. Not like us. We stand at the beginning and have to look and guess and surmise of what the ending is going to be. But God is not like you and I. He already knows how it's going to unfold. He knows how it's going to be fulfilled. He knows how it's going to take place. So he stands at the end and looks back at the beginning and says, I know every turn that needs to be taken. I know every decision that needs to be made. I know every choice and how you need to follow me in those choices. And if you will follow me and trust me, I I'll lead you to an expected end, the Bible says. He has an expected end for all of our lives. There is a purpose for all of our lives. Though none of our roads are exactly the same, the conclusion, as the wise man said, can we, we wait and hear the conclusion of the matter? Amen. A lot of times we like to guess of what the conclusion is going to be. We're in that season right now. Who's a Democratic nominee going to be? Who's, uh, who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? And there's a lot of guessing and surmising, and it changes according to people's performance and according to what happens in the economy, and it changes. The, the popularity goes up and down, and the polls, they reflect different things from day to day. And we know and we understand all of that. But I'm going to tell you, there's no guesswork where God is concerned. You and I are left guessing, or rather I would say it this way, we're left to live it out by faith and trust Him. But God knows, and He's certain, and He knows the end, and He knows what it's going to, to be like. And if we trust Him, He's going to take us through whatever obstacles that are there, whatever temptations we might encounter, whatever hard times or difficulties or trials that may be in our path. We can avoid every pitfall. We don't have to be caught up in any snare if we'll follow the Spirit of God. He will direct us and lead us to an expected end. 
So if you're here tonight and you're thinking, why is it that I find myself in this particular place? Why is it that I've had experienced some of the things that I've had to experience? God knows your frame, the psalmist said. And he knows that you are dust. He's aware how frail you are. He knows exactly what it's going to take to see you saved. What it's going to take for you to make heaven your home. And if he, if we could trust him and live for him and serve him and have faith in him and just say, God, I'm going to lean upon you and trust in you and put my faith in you. I'm not going to lean upon my own understanding. I'm not going to, to lean upon my past experience. I'm not just going to lean on what I know logically, but I'm going to put my faith and trust in you, God, and know that you're going to take me where you desire to take me. And the end is going to work out. Amen. The purpose of God is going to be fulfilled. It may look like somewhere in the middle of the story that you've been slighted. It may look like you've been passed over. It may look like well, this isn't exactly the way I planned it or the way I timed it out or what I thought it was going to be like or when I was setting up my uh, day planner or calendar, this is the way that I thought it was going to happen and this is what I projected that was going to take place. But God knows and we're safer following God. We're secure following God. It's a whole lot better when we yield to God's plan instead of trying to manipulate it for ourselves. He hasn't passed you over. And yes, it is true that there are many dark threads woven into the fabric of life. And not all of it is bright colors. There are some loose ends and loose threads that are just things that we can't make sense of. But God is in control. In Genesis chapter number 18 and verse 25, it says, Shout not the judge of all the earth do right. We're serving a God that cannot fail. We're serving a God that when he judges, he always judges right. He always comes down on the side of what's right. He always does right by us. When we put our lives in his hand in an altar and when we make a decision to follow him, there may be twists and turns along the way that we cannot completely understand. But if we'll continue to live for him and serve him, we will be able to agree with this verse of scripture. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? I can see now when I stand here, amen, and saved and sanctified and I've heard those words well done thou good and faithful servant I could see now what was best for me I didn't understand it at that moment I could see now that you had my salvation in mind I could see now if I'd have got it sooner it would not have been good for me if I would have been promoted sooner it would not have been good for me had I, had I been able to do what I wanted to do at that moment it may not have been good for me but you knew what was best for me so I'm going to trust you, Lord, and put my faith in you, God. Amen. It may appear to be a perceived slight, but God's in control. The sons of Koath it looked like they had been left out. It looked like they had been disregarded. Gershon's boys got wagons. 
Merari's sons got wagons. And I'd like to know where my wagons are at. I'd like to know why I got left out. And to add insult to injury, the sons of Koath are told that their responsibility will be that they will bear the burden on their shoulders. Isn't that what the scripture said that we read tonight? They would bear it on their shoulders. That means that there's not going to be any wagons to carry your burden. You're going to have to carry them on your shoulders. Gershon gets wagons to carry his, and Merari gets wagons to carry his, but you're going to bear your burden on your shoulder because what you're going to carry, and I want you to get this tonight, what you're going to be burdened with, it cannot be trusted to wagons. It cannot be placed in a wagon and travel down, bumping down the road, because what you're going to be carrying is holy, and it's sacred, and it's special, and it's been anointed, and glory's involved with this. We know that there was one instance later on where David misunderstood and he tried to do as the Philistines had done and he tried to allow the Ark of the Covenant to be transported basically on a cart or a wagon and as a result a man perished and lost his life because the glory of the Lord was never meant to be placed on a wagon. It was never meant to be placed upon a cart, but it was always meant to be placed upon the shoulders of the priesthood. That's how the glory of the Lord was to come. Something this sacred has to be bare on the shoulders of men. There's no easy way out. You cannot lift the glory by some other means, some synthetic way, something that seems more logical to you. But if you're going to bear the glory, if you're going to be able to carry the glory, transport the glory... There's only one way for it to be done. You've got to feel the heaviness of it. You've got to feel the burden of it. You've got to be willing uh, to put some effort and energy into it if it's going to be carried. Can I tell you that it's just the same in our day? That you cannot circumvent things like prayer and holy living and righteousness and see and experience the glory of God. But if the glory of God is going to be here and if the glory of God God is going to come to this place. Uh, somebody's going to have to bear it up uh, on their shoulders, as it were. Somebody's going to have to bear that burden in prayer. Somebody's going to have to live a consecrated life. Somebody's going to have to dedicate themselves unto the Lord. There cannot be some synthetic way of bringing in. I don't care how many lights you got and how many smoke machines you got. I don't care how much technology you have. I don't care how, how much talent that you have. There's no replacement for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The power of God and the glory of the Lord can only come one way and that's through a consecrated dedicated life somebody that lives unto the Lord somebody that is consecrated unto the Lord somebody that is fully dedicated unto God that's how the glory comes can you say amen hallelujah 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 they carried the holy vessels of the tabernacle the table of showbread the sons of Koath that were in charge of that, the candlesticks, the laver, 
And they never, if you read this closely, they never got to see what it was exactly they were carrying because it was carefully covered by the priest. They didn't know that the candlestick and the showbread and the laver were in there. All they knew is that they had a responsibility to carry it. It wasn't revealed to them exactly what was beneath that covering. So many times we don't see, we don't understand, and we carry burdens, and we don't know why, but we continue to carry that burden, and we continue to be faithful to God, and in the end we get to see, God, you had a perfect will in all of this. There was something that you were trying to bring to pass in all of this. Maybe there was something you was trying to work out of me. Maybe there was something that you were you were trying to reveal to me about myself. Maybe you wanted me to see, amen, that you were in control and that I could trust you and I was learning how to trust you. And so you covered my eyes so that I could not see what it was. I couldn't see the glory that was coming. I couldn't see uh, the, the the precious blessings of God that were coming. I was blinded to it. But if I would just be faithful and keep on journeying and walking in faith and bearing the burden, amen, someday at some point, you're going to reveal it. You're going to uncover it. And I'm going to see the glory of God in it. I'm going to see that this is all a part of your work. This is all a part of your purpose. This is all a part of your plan. And you're revealing to me that you were in it all the time. Can you say praise the Lord? It appears one way. It appears that we're less fortunate. It, it, it appears that I've been passed over. But later we find that this burden was a great blessing to the overall work of God. I think about men of God that I know of that have been used of the Lord to help people. And such powerful anointing. But many of them experienced so much pain in their lives. And brokenness in their life. And I'm not here promoting pain. And I'm not here promoting brokenness. But what I am promoting is a trust in God and his will. And a willingness to submit to that. And saying God it's not for me. Because we have a choice many times to either become greater for God and blessed of God or to become embittered and become questioning of God's ultimate will for our lives and why it hasn't turned out differently for us. And that's not our job. Amen. The Bible says that he puts one up and he puts down another. And we don't always understand it. We don't always comprehend it. But he knows he knows what's best for us, and he knows what it's going to take. You know, Jesus' disciples, some of them, it's very apparent that the Lord took a few of them into places that he didn't take the others into. And they got to see and experience things. You consider the Mount Transfiguration. You consider uh, the instance with the little girl, uh, Jairus' daughter that was healed and raised from the dead. These instances, there was a select few that got to go. In the garden, he, he took a few of them, Peter, James, and John, 
a little further. And there was the mother of some of these disciples that came to Jesus and said, I want to ensure where my son sons are going to set, one on your left hand and one on your right hand. And I want, I want to ensure their position in the kingdom. I, I, want, to, I want to, whatever it takes, I want, to, I want to get that figured out now that they're going to have a prominent position in the kingdom. Jesus looked at that lady and he said, well, he said, I don't have the ability to dole those positions out in my flesh. And I don't want you to misunderstand here. He's speaking at this particular moment as the Son of Man. And he's speaking from a fleshly perspective. And he's telling her basically that flesh isn't going to have anything to do with promoting or putting anybody up. That's not how you get there. But he said if they're able to drink of the cup that I'm going to drink of. In my flesh, if they're able to drink of that cup, then they will have a place in the kingdom of God. But if they want to sit in that prominent place, they got to be willing to drink that cup. And that cup basically was a cup of suffering. That cup was a, a, a cup of sacrifice and total consecration and complete surrender of human will to God's will. That's what that cup represented. In fact, when flesh looked into that cup, it said, let this cup pass from me. I don't have to endure this suffering. I don't have to endure this pain. But what the Lord was saying to that lady who wanted a special place for her son is that there is absolutely no flesh that can promote you to a certain position. No man can promote you to a certain position in God's kingdom. It has to be that you submit yourself to the ultimate will of God. And when you die out to His will and your will is completely crucified, then and only then can you be promoted in the kingdom of God. Then and only then will you be promoted to the place that you desire in the kingdom of God. So we don't always understand. And sometimes it looks as if. Why is this? And why this burden? Why do I carry this? And it's covered. I don't see and understand. And it appears only one way to me. It appears that I'm carrying this heavy burden. And for what am I carrying it? Why is it happening? And why is it taking place? Your perceived slight is probably great blessings that are only disguised right now. They're covered up. You can't see them. But if you'll be faithful, and if you'll serve God, and if you'll do what's right, and if you'll trust Him, it'll all come back to you as a great testimony. I think we ought to lift up our hands to the Lord and give Him praise right now. Hallelujah. Come on, let's really praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We could talk about Abraham when he called his nephew Lot to him and 
said, there's way too much strife between me and you, the men that are with you, your brethren, the people that are associated with you. So I'm going to let you choose. I'm going to let you make a decision. If you go left, then I'll go right. And if you go right, then I'll go left. And everything that Lot had, he owed it to Abraham. Everything that, that, he, that he had as far as life was concerned, it was because Abraham had allowed him to be with him. And he was blessed because of his connection to Abraham. So Abraham could have rightfully said, let me just tell you something, son. This is what you're going to do. You're going to go this way, and you're going to separate yourself from me, and I'm not going to fool with you anymore, and you go that direction. But Abraham understood something. that If you got the blessings of God upon you, you don't have to follow what it looks like. You can just trust God, and God, amen, can bless you, and he can increase you in places uh, that it looks like are barren. When it looks like the best has already been chosen, if you're following God, and if you're God's person, and if you're God's man or God's woman, God always works it out for you, and God always makes a way for you, and you're always going to come out in the end. So, you know, of course, he looks at the well-watered plains of Jordan, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and says, man, that, that's a, man, that's a no-brainer, Abraham. If you're giving me a choice, well, obviously, I'm going this way. And he set out in that direction. Abraham could have chose that direction and told him to go the other way. He could have chose the easy way, the beautiful way, the well-watered way. And when Abraham saw this, he probably felt in his humanity a little slighted by it all. When he looked across at what was to be his, he must have been a little down because the very next verse the Lord spoke to him and said, All right, Abraham. He said, Look up from the place where you are. In other words, don't be hanging your head. Look up from where you are and look out there. And I know it doesn't look like much right now. Looking down on yourself and looking down on life and looking down on your slights. I don't want you to do that. I want you to look up. I want you to have faith and trust in me. I want you to get your focus back on me. And he looked at all the land. Look out there just as far as your eye can see, Abraham. I want you to look out there as far as you can see. He said, I'm going to give that land to you. And I'm going to cause you to flourish in that land. And every time you put your foot down. You're going to claim it. It's going to be yours. I want you to look at the sands beneath your feet right now. Can you count the granules of sand? So am I going to multiply your seed? I want you to gaze tonight at the stars. And if you can count the stars, so am I going to multiply your seed? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give back to you. I'm going to be your God. People are going to know your fame is going to spread throughout the land. Matter of fact, for generations to come. They're going to call you their father. They're going to look to you as their patriarch. They're going to know that this is where the blessing started because there was a man though it was covered from him. Amen. And he was blinded to it. He said in faith I'm a blessed man. In faith I got a promise that God is with me. And in faith I'm going to walk with God and not choose to walk by sight. 
And it may be a perceived slight right now, but God knows what He's doing. I may not understand it right now, but God's in control, and God's got everything in His hand. Oh, if you believe what I'm saying, why don't you lift up your voice and praise Him, right? To Abraham, it may have looked like at first that Lot got the best deal. It just looked like, it just looked like that Lot got the best of the land. It just looked like that Abraham had been slighted. But what you got to understand is that when God spoke to Abraham, he said, listen to this, Abraham, for I am your exceeding great reward. Your reward is not in what you can see. It's not in your own ability. It's not in your own skill. It's not in your own your own fleshly abilities to do things. But your reward is in having faith that I'm in control. Your reward is in having faith that I can get the job done. I remember when I was uh, young and, and starting to, to preach, I had kind of had a time when I really doubted that it was going to work for me to go into full-time ministry. And, uh, and it was just, you know, trying to logically make my way through, muddling my way through that period of my life and young family and all of that. And uh, I decided that I would, I would, and there's nothing wrong with this if this is your lot in life and this is the way that God wants you to go. There's nothing wrong with this. It, w- it just wasn't right for me. And, uh, and I had, had applied at a college to get involved with some uh, ba- basically in environmental things. That, that There was a program there. And uh, man, they were they were really promoting this, and man, this is great, and it, you know, it job security because that was just kind of coming on the scene, uh, environmental, chemical waste, and all this kind of stuff, and working in that, and and uh, you you can get in this program, and man, man, sky's the limit. I said, well, that sounds good, and so I was getting involved. And I remember uh, after being accepted and 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 enrolling. Driving down the road with my dad, and he said, I was telling him about this, and he said, you know, it all sounds great. He said, but what about your calling? Have you forgot about that? And man, like a, like a ton of bricks, this is the way it happened for me. I realized that this was a bad decision for me at that time. And I realize now, looking back, had I chose the well-watered plains of Jordan, I wouldn't be standing right here today. Might not even be living for God. But because I, and it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Man, there was burned up trailer and all of my belongings and nearly, just barely escaped with my life. And then starting out like that, man, there just wasn't anything. Didn't have a lot on the schedule, a lot on, nothing was happening fast. It seemed like everything was moving slow. But I just made up my mind. I know what you put in my heart. And I know that I want to be obedient to your will above all things. I just want to serve you and I want to fulfill your calling. And God has led us every step of the way. That's, that's how it works. And there's been times along the way when it, it may have looked like, you know, you, 
go out there. I remember my dad who told me that. He'd come back out there with me as we were standing there uh, by the side of the road in Santa Rosa, New Mexico, and I looked at that trailer that I'd just purchased, and everything I owned had been on the inside of it, and it was just a, a flatbed. I mean, just charred. Everything was charred and burnt completely down. Everything was just melted and lying there. And, and I thought to myself, man, this is a great way for it all to, to start. I mean, this is a really what I expected. And, and I thought, how in the world is this ever going to work out? And really only had a couple of meetings on the schedule at that point. And people's asking me, well, you know, you only got a couple of meetings. Maybe you ought to just go home and reconsider all of this. And I thought, you know what? I'm at least going to go preach those couple of meetings. I'm going to go and do the will of God. And, and uh, last time I checked, you can only preach one at a time anyway. So I'm just going to go and do that. And, and if God opens up the next door, then I'll walk through that. And, and, and I remember praying a prayer, God, and this is just the furthest thing I could think of. I said, God, I don't care if you take me to Nebraska. I don't care where, you know, and I was standing in California at the time. I thought Nebraska was clean across the world, you know. I said, man, I don't care where it is. If you open the door, I'll go. And from that day to this very moment, God has always provided. And God has always made a way. Amen. I may have not always been able to see it. Sometimes it was covered up. Sometimes I didn't understand how it was all going to unfold. But I'm just encouraging somebody here tonight. Don't be feeling like you've been slighted. Just because you don't have a wagon to carry your burden in. Amen. And you have to carry this thing the old-fashioned way on your shoulders. Know that God is with you. And God is going to care for you. And God is going to help you. Why don't you lift up your voice to the Lord with me. Amen. Praise God. What about Jacob? Who spent most of the older middle to later years of his life, grieving for his son Joseph, who he thought had been devoured by a wild beast because of the bloody garment that had been prepared and presented to him. He thought it was one way. But Jacob, friend, that's just the way it looks. That's just the way it appears right now. It looks like you got a bad deal. It looks like you forever lost your son. It just looks like that life has mistreated you. It just looks like right now that you'll never see him again. But Jacob, while you're bearing this burden, Joseph is already preparing a place for you to be able to survive when you need him. Amen. This is just a test. This is just a trial. This is just a small uh, area of life that you're walking through that you don't understand at this moment. Uh, but it's all going to be for your ultimate salvation. Can I tell you that though you cannot see him when you'd like to see him and feel him like you'd like to feel him sometimes, that he's still working. And he's still, he's still in control. Amen. And while you can't see him, Jacob, uh, he's preparing a place for you. That where he is, uh, you may be also. Amen. And you'll understand everything better by and by as the song says. On this side, we may not be under able to understand and get our minds around it all, but God is in control and we have to trust that he's in control. Would you stand with me right now? Lift up your hands to the Lord. 
Let's give praise unto God right now. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, I thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Psalmist said in Psalm 73, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps were well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there was no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, and they have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people returned hither, and waters of the full cup are wrung out to them. And they say... How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed. This is him limiting. I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I shall offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. And then verse 17, he has a revelation. It says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. It looked like the wicked were getting ahead. It looked like they were prospering and things were going just so good in their lives and they have the wind in their back and nothing seems to be going against them and I've been struggling and I've been laboring and I've been burdened and I've been trying to make it through some of these things that I've been facing in the trials of my life and it seems like I've cleansed my hands in innocency and I have washed my heart in vain. It just seems like that this was a big old waste. But then he steps into the presence. Isn't it amazing how that the presence of God puts things in perspective? When you get in here and feel just a little bit of the Holy Ghost, you understand, hey, 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 hey. You understand, hey. I understand something that they can never, ever, ever understand. And that is that I got the power of God. I got the Holy Ghost. I got peace to lay my head down on my pillow at night I don't have to worry about being condemned I don't have to worry about the guilt and the shame and the heartache of sin I can lay my head down on my pillow at night and know that if the trumpet sounds before I wake up that I'm going home to be with Jesus I can know that I'm saved I can know that every consecration that I made to God was worth it Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 I wonder if there's somebody that'd like to come down 
to this altar tonight and stand around this front before we leave and just lift up your hands and say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that I get to bear the glory of the Lord, that I get to be a partaker of this heavenly gift, that I get to, to bear, amen, uh, such, such a wonderful, wonderful blessing. I, I, I get to have the Holy Ghost. I, I get to experience the power of God. I, I get to know you and, and, and have a revelation and be close to you and feel your presence and know the joy of the Lord. Know the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Let's talk to the Lord around this altar. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Come on, put your burden in perspective. Put put your trial in perspective. Trials don't last always. Amen. The pain of the moment, put it in perspective and realize that God's got a plan. And if I'll be faithful to his plan, he's going to take care of me. Hallelujah. 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 I thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's talk to the Lord. Let's lift up our voice unto God. Let's cry out unto Him right now. It's just the way you're looking at it. It's not the way it really is. It's just what you can see right now. It's not the way it really is. It's covered up right now, Koath. But one day you're going to see that the glory of God you bore on your shoulders. The anointing of the Lord you bore it on your shoulders. The hand of God was in it all. And when you understand that I'm carrying the anointing, it gives you caution. It gives you caution about how you respond to things in life and how you act and your attitude towards things in life. It gives you a a conscientiousness, if I could say it that way. Because you understand what I'm carrying is much too precious for for me to do something to cause this that I've got to be lost to cause this that I've had the opportunity, the blessing of caring to some way be wasted because of me reacting out of kind or me doing something that I shouldn't do. It's a whole lot easier. It's a whole lot easier to bear this thing and say, you know what, I'm not going to let go of this when you understand what it is. Amen. I know I can't see it all right now, but I understand God's got a plan. I know that God's in control. Amen. I'm not going to fail him now. I'm not going to give in to temptation now. I'm not going to walk away from him now. I'm bearing his glory. I've got an anointing on my life. i got a call of God to do what I'm doing. You understand God picked me for this purpose. He has his hand upon me. I'm favored by the Lord. I understand. You think I'm going to get angry with God? You think I'm going to blame God or charge God foolishly? you got another thought coming. I'm going to stick with what God has for me because heaven is my destiny and God is seeking to save my soul and is going to use all of this to do it can you say praise the Lord amen God bless you tonight thank you so much once again before we leave would you lift up your voice and let's thank the Lord 